right now you know how to do your own productions or making it. So you know how to source the product and customize the product. But the other part that will start to establish you a bit better is the branding it. So you know how to curate, you know how to put things together, you know how to have the box. But now it's like, if I'm going to attract my ideal customer, who is she and what is she looking for? And how do I solve a need, want, problem or desire for her? Hi, I'm Jacqueline Snyder, and this is the Product Boss Podcast. I've helped launch and grow thousands of product-based businesses, even one of my own. And over the last 20 years, I've seen behind the scenes of businesses just like yours. Whether they are makers, manufacturers, artists, or food and beverage businesses, I have spent so many hours studying it all. I've discovered what makes them successful. What are mistakes they could avoid? How did they turn an idea into successful business? And what are strategies they have used to make more sales and be discovered by more customers? This is what this show is all about. Whether you're just starting out or you're looking to become a million dollar product boss, I'm here to give you the permission to chase your dreams, no matter how big or small. All you need is the right mindset, a little courage, strategy, and support, and you too can be the next million dollar product boss. Let's do this. When it comes to owning a product-based business, your slow seasons are meant for you to be working on your business instead of working in your business. That's why now is the perfect time to focus on making sure your business runs as efficiently as possible. Finding the right resources to make this happen can be difficult, but my friend, it doesn't have to be. Thanks to Sales Hub from HubSpot. With this all-in-one platform, you can easily manage your customers, increase visibility, and dig deeper into your data with advanced reporting capabilities to help you know where to focus in your business. You know I'm all about focus over here. Plus, it's powered by AI. So you and your team, if you have one, can spend less time on administrative tasks and more time on what matters most, connecting with and taking care of your customers. With Sales Hub, closing deals is no big deal. Head to hubspot.com slash sales to try it for free. Hey, hey, product bosses. Okay, so today's coaching call is with Yvette of Forever Luna & Co. She's currently selling on Etsy, but she's starting to branch out with her own branded Shopify store. Oh, and did I mention she's a mom of five kids trying to do it all from home? Okay, I love a challenge. So let's see if we can come up with a plan for her to replace her husband's income and maybe even go a little beyond that. What I would love for you to do for me in your own words is tell me what your business is. So what Forever Luna and Co. is, what you sell, just kind of like a little bit of background. Forever Luna is a wedding gift shop where I make wedding boxes that's either for the bride to give to her bridesmaids or boxes for the bride and eventually like for couples as well and party accessories things. So that's what it is in a nutshell. And are you making them yourself? Like how are you getting the product? I'm trying to get away from making everything. So before I was customizing the tumblers and little things like that and the boxes and I noticed I was just taking up too much time. So now I just want to really put, you know, like products in them and not have to personalize as much where 
Whereas I was doing like the box, the card, a tag, the tumbler, and then also a little heart dish. So that that was a lot of time. Okay. And your main sales channel is Etsy? Yeah. And then is there any percentage of anyone buying off your website? No. Nobody's okay. gone through there yet. So really your sales right now are just coming through Etsy? Yeah. Okay. This is like when you go to the doctor and they're doing the whole workup. Like, tell me about your... Okay. So I asked the current state of your business. He said, my business is a hot mess. I'm currently working up on a Shopify store. I have an Etsy shop. And last year that was my main sales channel along with a few wedding shows. I tried to stay on top of emailing and social media, but I ran out of things to say. I don't have any goals set out yet. And you just told me you have five kids. So I mean, to feel like a hot mess and to feel overwhelmed (laughs) makes a lot of sense for a lot more reasons. Yeah. It's hard to focus. (laughs) Hard to focus. Okay. What is your goal for this business? Do you want it to be a full-time business, a side hustle, a hobby that makes some money? What is your bigger goal? My bigger goal is to definitely make it my full-time job. Of course, it's going to take a couple of, a few years maybe, but I would like to eventually retire my husband Okay. and make it a company that we can both work on. And that way he's working at home rather than out. Okay. And then do you work at all? I don't. Okay, great. I mean, I was going to say like, uh, there's like multiples of you running around on this planet. <laughs> like I have a full-time job, five kids and this business. Oh, that makes me tired. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you're overwhelmed. Okay. So your goal is to bring your husband home, but before we bring him home, what would we like to get this business to? Like what's our revenue goal? Let's say for this year, for the next 12 months, because we can work backwards. So we overestimate what we can do in a year and we underestimate what we can do in three. So let's say in three years, we want to retire your husband. It could be shorter, but let's just pretend like that's the three-year goal. The one-year goal, what would you like to get your business to this year? This year, I would actually want it to be profitable. And I think last year it could have been profitable, but because like you say, spreading myself way too thin and trying to bring in all the things, I didn't see any of the profit. So rather than focusing on my best sellers, I was trying to, you know, get other things going. And so then I just, all that money was gone. Okay. You make about $1,300 a month average? Yeah, that was last year. It came in waves. I had a couple months where it was at $3,000. But then after September hit, like it was in the hundreds, maybe like 100, 200. And then that was it. So it, it was just, it fluctuated a lot. So it's not like I'm having that money constantly all the time. Okay. So you're doing $3,000 months when things are busy and then $1,000 months when things feel like they're not that busy? No, not even. Um, okay. $100 months. Okay. Would you say your business made 20000 last year, less than twenty? Yeah, it was twenty. Twenty. Okay. Great. And it looks like your goal for this year is to try and double it to like trying to get closer to 40,000. Yeah. And your best is 100,000 in the next 12 months. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think 100,000 is totally doable in a year. <laughs> Easy. I can <laughs> tell me the things <laughs> without overthinking, right? When we overthink yeah. a lot and like you're also worried before you're even there like how could I possibly get it to 100,000 based on how you feel right now? I think we just need focus. We need to figure out what we're focusing on and like step by step through it so that whatever we end up implementing is a scalable product, a scalable offer. Okay. It's just however you're doing it. Do you feel like you're throwing like 
spaghetti at the wall. You're like, let's try this. Let's try this. What's going to sell? Yeah. 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 100%. And then I always get worried of that. If I put something out there, then I won't have the inventory to cover the orders that would come in. So I always kind of very reserved, which is really stupid. I know. (laughs) I get afraid that I'm going to run out. Okay. It's okay. There's some scarcity stuff there. I feel it. In three years, so if we want to get to $100,000 this year, let's just say, which is an eight, like on average $8,333 months. In three years, how much would you like to bring home a month between you and your husband? That's not like a scraping by just enough, but like a nice number. Someone asked me that recently and I was like, I don't know, $100,000 a month? I don't know. I threw some crazy number out. I was like... <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? I was like, let's see. <laughs> I mean, ideally, maybe like $10,000 a month. $10,000 a month? Five kids. It's like, oh, man. All right. So you need to be bringing home $120,000 a year, paying yourself $10,000. I want your business to be as close to a 30% profit margin as possible at the end, meaning 30% is left over for you. So we got your business up to $400,000, and you kept all of your expenses within... 70% of all the other stuff we do, so team, product, overhead, and you had a 30% profit margin, you would be bringing home $120,000, okay? So these are just some long-term metrics. Do not get overwhelmed right now, but it's sometimes nice to like have a number that you're like, what do I have to get it to and what percentage? So every time you're kind of making a decision in your business, you're making sure it's profitable, you're making sure it aligns with that. You're keeping all your numbers in check and you're just working more and more towards that 30%. So then you're not worried about like, how much margin should I make? Am I doing this right? You're like, I'm just constantly working at 30%. I'm trying to keep it at 30. And then as I can keep growing my revenue and if I can keep my profit margin at 30%, you're getting closer and closer to your $10,000 profit months. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. Yvette started this session off not having a goal for her business. So that's the first thing I wanted to address because without a clear goal outlined for your business, the actions you need to take are going to be hazy and it doesn't need to be complicated. How much do you want to make in one year? How about in three years? Start from there. See what you need to make monthly to hit those goals and a strategy will start to form. All right, so... Three-year goal, I'm just going to say, I think it's possible, 400K a year, 30% profit margin, 120,000 a year profit to you, 10K months. That's the big goal. That's our big old reach goal for the next three years. In the meantime, let's try and get you from 20,000 to 100,000 in the next year without overwhelm, obviously with work, but without you getting overwhelmed by it. All right. So now what we're going to do is we're going to look at the product. So you're sourcing products. Yes. And then what part gets customized? Like who customizes it? Myself. Okay. So you get the product, you get the customized order, and then you are customizing it and fulfilling it. Yep. Okay. So what are they buying from you on Etsy? Like what's your bestseller? My three best sellers are going to be the Ring Bear Proposal Box, the complete set, and then the Bridesmaid with a Tumblr is my next one. And then the other one are the make- the clear makeup bags for the bachelorette parties, either filled or not filled. So when I look at your website, you are telling me the Flower Girl Proposal Box is not popular? Mm-mm. 
Okay. It's the first thing I see though. Yeah. So there's just that. The ring bearer proposal, is it this one? Yeah. So who buys this? Who is it for? Explain to me the end customer. The bride is the one that's buying it to propose to her little ring bearer. Okay. And she gets the set, which has the tumbler and all the things. And then, you know, sometimes they don't want the shirt, so they'll get the tumbler and the glasses. Or, you know, there I had a few variations for that one on Etsy. This one, I've just narrowed it down to just be the complete set on the Shopify store. So if we only gave them one option, one combination, what would it be? The personalized one is the one, that puzzle one is also a big seller. And then the uncustomized ring proposal there at the end, that one is just new that I added to this website to see if, you know, if they just didn't want to have it personalized. Because when I look at this and think about the age of the boy that's being proposed to, he is young, right? Like he's eight years old or younger, most likely. Because the confetti makes sense. The glasses are cute. The tumbler, I'm not sure. Because it's black and little kids. Like you've got so many kids. This is actually like excellent market research. Like you know, you have all of the ages. I'm curious what you think the bride would like to present that's, you know, Instagrammable that they open. But the stuff inside is the thing that gets the kid to be like super excited or the mom is doing with it. And the kid's going to grab something from there that they are really excited about. Maybe it's more of a sippy cup, like with a straw. It does come with the straw. Okay. Because this isn't expensive. A tumbler is expensive for a four-year-old, three-year-old. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's expensive for you to supply and then it's adding to the cost of it versus what would be a better, cheaper product that would make a lot of sense for a kid that isn't going to be as costly for you to source? Okay. So there's the two options. There's the customizable at a premium and then there's the non-customizable. But I just want you to think through, and you can do this on Pinterest. Okay. Have you been on Pinterest lately? I try to stay away because then I get... Get ideas. want to do all of it. <laughs> well, let's just get into the ring bear. Okay. So brides go on Pinterest to search for like ideas, right? So they're either going to hack it and do it themselves. They're going to find Etsy. Are you on Pinterest? Do you have any sort of Pinterest play? I started and then I got overwhelmed. Okay. So Pinterest is probably a really good play for you because that's where brides start. When they start planning their wedding, they start planning their bridesmaids dresses, their flowers. They get to like, how am I going to propose to my bridesmaids and all the other stuff. So I think that this is a really good place for you to start And then you can see that some people are selling it on Amazon. Some people have this like security shtick happening. This one has like a little tie. It feels kind of custom. You can keep doing it the way you're doing it. I just want to make sure that you're priced well and that eventually long-term you have some sort of differentiation. Okay. Like some people do ring security, which is more funny versus yours seems a little more classy. But you may want to look, I think for you going back even as you're starting to establish this as a brand and doing some market research. So looking to cross other brands that would have the same bride. So you kind of want to know what kind of wedding is this bride having? How much is she spending on her wedding dress? Where is she shopping for her wedding dress? Is she like a David's bridal bride? Is she a custom gown bride? Like, is she flying with her mom to New York City, you know? Or is she doing it herself and looking for like a cheap option? So you really want to understand your ideal customer and her price point. 
for her whole wedding and to understand how she's going to spend on her wedding. Your stuff is probably the do-it-yourself bride if she's buying on Etsy versus someone who has like a really expensive wedding planner that might be putting together all the stuff for her. Does this make sense? It does. And that's kind of where my struggle is, is to try to find those brides. Like, where are they shopping? Well, you have to kind of get an understanding. So you may reach out to people who have bought from you and do like a survey. Hey, would you mind taking a quick survey? I have a question. Like, are you working? You know, even when they place the order, like, hey, in your thing, quick question. Are you working with a wedding planner? Are you? I'm just trying to like meet the needs of my customers. Like, are you working with a wedding planner? Or are you doing it yourself? You know, or you might even say, would you like to join like a survey of mine and I'll give you a free bridesmaids box or I'll send you like a gift as like a thank you. I think you can start from the people buying from you doing surveys on like, you know, what's your wedding budget? $50,000, $100,000, $200,000. Like you have like a scale. How many guests are you inviting? Under $100,000, $200,000, Do you have a wedding planner? Yes, I have a wedding planner. I have a day of planner. No, I'm doing this all myself. How many bridesmaids are you having? How many groomsmen? You're going to want to just find the data because if you know how many bridesmaids they're having, then you'll know how many sets you're going to maybe potentially be able to sell these people. So if they're normally like five to seven, then you might put together kits of seven bridesmaids asked to be a bridesmaid, right? Because you're like, oh, on average, they're going with seven. Then also knowing what kind of wedding they're having, then you can start to do research and look at like expensive weddings and see all the photography that goes with that or weddings that are other budgets. And you just start to pull together customer data like through imagery and following blogs, wedding planners, Pinterest, and start to just put together the woman who buys from me is looking for this. And then you're able to solve her problem better and the product you're creating. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. Knowing what your product is and who it's for is the first step to starting a business in part of what I call the ideate phase. Whether you're just starting out or you're already years into running your business, it can be helpful to go back to this first step to make sure you have a solid foundation. Are you making the right product? Are you selling it to the right customer? That's what you have to find out. So we've ideated, but in the ideation, I think I want you to get a little bit stronger with the who your ideal customer is. That's more fun. That's like a little bit of a rabbit hole. But like you might want to just understand how much are they spending on their wedding rings, right? There's a Cartier person who buys Cartier wedding rings. And then there's, you know, Jared's Jewelers. So you just want to find your place and start to kind of, you can ask current customers, you can do research. And then you can also just make it up as you go. So if she's buying on Etsy, She's probably not having a million-dollar wedding because a million-dollar wedding, they're making custom boxes built out of God knows what, right? Like real butterflies are flying out of the box. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So it's not the million-dollar wedding. So there's probably an element of a do-it-yourself component to it if she's buying it through Etsy, but not so do-it-yourself where she's going to put it together herself. She wants someone to do it for her. So you're solving a problem and she's willing to pay extra for customization and she probably likes the showy nature of it where she's going to post it all over Instagram or TikTok or anything like that. So then you're figuring out, well, what kind of bride is this? Also, maybe she doesn't have the humor. She's more serious and wants more of a classic 
wedding. And then thinking about the product that goes in, I think right now you feel pretty confident with that stuff. Okay. So then the other products you said did really well were the bridesmaid box with a tumbler inside. I mean, I already have the solution for you, so we could just jump to that if you want. Let's just do it. <laughs> Let's just go for it. One, you're a mom of five kids. So I want you to think of yourself as like a superpower to knowing what kids want and how to keep kids busy. So there is an element of what I think is cool about like having the junior party or the ring bearer or the, the flower girl. I do think there's something cool there, but maybe if you could differentiate a little bit from what people are already doing on Pinterest long-term, if this is something you want to go into, like, you know, that's just kind of more interesting. Like you're just going to want to come up with like a brand identity. This is the branded section of it. So we've thought about ideating. So you've got the idea, but we need to work on who the customer is and knowing our market research. Production, right now, you know how to do your own productions or making it. So you know how to source the product and customize the product. But the other part that will start to establish you a bit better is the branding it. So you know how to curate, you know how to put things together, you know how to have the box. But now it's like, if I'm going to attract my ideal customer, who is she and what is she looking for? And how do I solve a need, want, problem, or desire for her? So by, let's say, seeing this, Pinterest is going to then show me all these other products that are tagged, right? And it's going to give you ideas of other products. And it's also going to help you discover other companies that are doing something. So this one, like Boxed Gift Co., so now this is how you start to do your market research. So if we go here, shop our collection or make your own, right? So we go here and they have pre-curated boxes at price points. It kind of feels like small batch. So this company that we just found through Pinterest, they don't necessarily have like Sugarfina or like, like really known branded product. So they're not selling it based on branded, but it feels kind of like small batch, eclectic, younger, like she's not looking for like premium names, but she's looking for cute stuff that feels more like small batch homey. Does that make sense? And so you come here and you're like, this is either for me or not for me. And so I don't want you to necessarily say I need to be everything to everybody. I want us to really know like, who are we selling to? So look at this one cheap wedding favors. So this one's like really bright and like kind of kitschy. Like it's got this mini radio or some companies like this one, this is Treatbox UK. They're like bright and poppy. So it's kind of got this like fun aesthetic. Consider this a hug and a biscuit, which is like a cookie because this is an English company, right? You are my person. So um, let's look at their brand. So you see how we land here and it's bright and playful and fun. So it might be like girls sending to girls. This picture is like a bunch of girlfriends like with like fun pictures. Let's look at occasions. Bride and bridesmaids gifts. Let's look at their stuff. So see, it's like this like light pink or purple. The font and copy they're using is a little bit more, you know, it's kind of like the Barbie font or just kind of has more of like a pop culture fun play. And that's what I'm saying to you. When we find who your customer is and what she's attracted to, the products you curate and the way that you do it and your font and your copy and the way your boxes and they have stars all around this. So it just makes it more fun versus serious. So what do you feel like you personally are attracted to? I like the romantic, lacy, feminine, delicate vibe. 
Okay. So I'm just going to put in romantic feminine weddings. Okay. So now we start to kind of come up with boards. You can create a, like an entire Pinterest board just to start gathering images for yourself. So I wrote romantic feminine wedding. And then you can look here and say, okay, if she was having a wedding, her wedding would look like this. Maybe it's wildflowers. You know, maybe she's using vintage China. If we look at this one, because looking at Sugarfina, funny enough, but this is a Sugarfina box. So it's got this like kind of vintagey. They have wedding suites. It's got that kind of floral feel. So maybe there's flowers involved. We look here and this, you would say, yes, this would be her wedding suite or no, it wouldn't be. And it could be lots of versions, but do you see how it keeps leading us to more and more visuals? So when you start to kind of gather who she is and what she'd be attracted to, this is also leading us to seeing in this search, because Pinterest is a search tool. And in this search, it's going to show you if I'm a somebody and I'm searching, it'll actually show you products that, oh, people who like this stuff like this stuff. So that's why it's visually showing it to you. So now we're starting to see pictures that are like romantic and feminine and gift boxes. So now it starts to take us down this other road, you know, these kind of blushes, like delicate font with cursive, bows, for example, dried flowers, silk, soft stuff, not like the big, bold font that you're using, but like maybe it's, again, more delicate and romantic. So it can still be done the exact same way you're doing it. It just has more of a feel that like I show up and I'm like, yes, it's romantic. And that's what I like. And I'm going to keep finding the stuff I need here versus kind of being like everybody else. And this is where like that branding part comes in. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's what I've been trying to achieve this this whole time. Does um, this kind of vibe with you what I've pulled up here? Yeah. Okay. It, it does. Moving a little further up the product business framework, after you've ideated your product and started to make it, it's time to focus on branding. This is where knowing your ideal customer is crucial. In Yvette's example, she identified a vibe that she likes and through some market research, proven that there's an audience there. Now we're looking at what she can do to differentiate herself from everyone else on Etsy, as well as explore some other streams of revenue and income. So would you say start getting away from more of the cricket stuff and then just adding, because that's really what I'm trying to do. That way it doesn't take like that, the cheers proposal where there was absolutely nothing on there rather than have it customized. What do you think? To move away from custom? Yeah, I, I think so. I think we can do that in, in a lot of ways. But the first part also is just kind of like how we saw on here that it just has a feeling. So I land here and I'm like, yes, that's my vibe or that's not. And this is, this just to me feels more like if you're asking a kid to be a bridesmaid or a ring bearer, this goes a little bit more along the lines with like something a kid would open up and like. Okay. A bit more than like the black and white. Now that's just me thinking for you bigger brand wise, like the evolution of your business. But we can back this up now and talk about what I think would be the easiest thing for you. So are you selling on Amazon yet? I'm not. I'm, okay. I'm thinking about it. Okay. So I know somebody who had a Mother's Day gift box, only promoted it during Mother's Day on Amazon and made $80,000. Oh, 
one yeah, box. Yeah, you told me that story. Yeah, one box. <laughs> That's not crazy. custom. Easy peasy. So the current box that you have, your Ringman non-customizable, let's say it's like the puzzle, the glasses, and the tumbler. You could just do that one box if you know it does really well. And then I know you said that your like clear bachelorette ones do well, and I'd probably do it filled. So then I would go on Amazon and I would look up what the boxes look like and what the price points are. Your product priced higher than them just buying like random whatever this is. But at scale, you might be able to find a cheaper price that you can offer it for. So knowing when you're on here, you're going to see like these cheaper boxes. Or this is, see how this is a 48-piece one? So it's like they can buy all the stuff bundled. So there's going to be stuff where this is like the do-it-yourself bridesmaid that she finds it and she pieces it together and she puts them in her own boxes. This is one where I can just buy the kit for $40. There's not a lot. So what I would want you to do is I know you're priced well, but I'd love for you to think, okay, if I got a whole bunch of bridesmaids boxes, ring bearer boxes, whatever it is that you want to try on this product, do your market research to say, what is the price point that people are selling stuff for? And could I create a box that I could be somewhat competitive? But remember how I said, like, it can't look like everybody else's. It's not going to be super expensive. But if you look at the this one, it's kind of a crappy bridesmaids gift one. It's like weird red writing on a white thing and like weird pink glasses. There's not a lot of competition currently, it looks like, on here. So you could probably take the ones you're currently doing and put them up. But just I think we would just need to make sure that you had a competitive price point. Okay. So then my next question would be is like, could there be a version of something that you sold on here at bulk that was $40? Or the $100 may or may not sell when we get competitive on this platform. Well, before I did the pricing calculator my box with the tumbler and the candle and all that, I was selling it for 57. Would that be too low? Well, it just depends on if you were making money or not on it. Oh, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So if we want to scale this and you could do something completely different than what you're doing for Etsy. So for example, on a site like this, you could reach out and ask like, how much would it be for a custom puzzle that you wanted to do? And you could print, you know, depending on what their minimum is. So this company here has a 50-piece minimum order. It's about $1.60 and then shipping per piece is $1.50. So let's say it costs you $3 to get a custom puzzle made. You know, and you could look into options like this if it was like, all right, all of a sudden in your brand, you were creating a puzzle that said like, will you be my groomsman? So let's just say kids Tumblr wise, okay? Like, let's say this is more in the romantic feel. I'm just going to say, right? It's kind of like these neutral colors, the neutral palette, or these like silicone is actually really popular amongst parents. I don't know what the Cricut looks like, but we're actually not doing, you know, you can see yeah, if the Cricut. Yeah, I want to get away from that. Yeah. Yeah. You can see if the Cricut, like, will you be my, you know, groomsman or like groomsman or whatever it is. You can see if it fits, like if it works on silicone as well. But you could source some of your more like bulk product from here, still customize it, but your per unit cost is going to be much cheaper. And that could be how we can like start to reduce 
the price of your cost of the box so that you could potentially scale on a platform like Amazon, but not in custom, but just like, can we make money on you being like the Amazon bestseller or like the Amazon knows the ones that sell really well, but that like you just start to sell the heck out of certain types of boxes that aren't already on there. So for me, I think that you can keep your Etsy, you're selling on that, you can keep your custom. If you want to work on your branding a little bit more, your direct-to-consumer site, your e-commerce site is going to be the harder play, especially knowing like you've got all the kids and all the things. And it's because to drive them to your website, you're going to pay in one of two ways, time or money. So you're either going to have to like create content, do collaborations. You know, it's going to take a lot of time for you to start to create like, how do we get people to come follow you and then eventually convert to customers? I think organically, you could also start to create more stuff on Pinterest. Etsy's already using you, so you use you. And then, or you do it paid. So paid is either you're running ads to drive traffic to your website, the same way that people do paid on Etsy, or paid influencer marketing, right? Like we're going to do paid. So the heart, I love you having your own website because you can't like build on borrowed land. So that's yours. But perhaps we start to make more money by doing some one and done boxes. You send in, I don't know, 15 units. Like you get set up as an Amazon FBA seller, Prime. You find your pricing. You play an Amazon game for a few months and you figure out like, how can I drive traffic? Because weddings are going to start happening again spring, summer. And then the biggest wedding season is the fall. And also people are going to get engaged on Valentine's Day. So if you think about like the life cycle, there's a lot of engagements at Christmas. There's a lot of engagements on Valentine's Day. And then they're going to get so excited. They're going to start planning their wedding and then they're going to figure out who their wedding party is. And that's when they're going to need to start asking. So probably over the next few months, people are going to ask. Their wedding might not be for a year, but that's okay because we're selling to them in the cycle of like when they're in their planning stage and they're putting together their wedding party or they're doing their bachelorette. So it's like, can we be there when they invite for the wedding party? And then potentially you could do bachelorette, groomsman gifts, day of wedding party gifts. So then your life cycle is like when they get engaged and they're putting together a wedding party and then when they're actually having the wedding. And then you lose that customer and then you're going to always need to be acquiring new customers because your life cycle for them is short. So I think that if we take your three best-selling products and if you change nothing about them and you just kept them as is and you put them together and you got them up on Amazon, but finding a price point that could compensate for the 15% Amazon will take, figuring out, can I cost these somewhat cheaper? But also, can I just like test this? Because if it does well, I can start to source and get cheaper product. You could run huge business on just three boxes that you're constantly refilling on Amazon that don't have to be that special. Because other the other thing that people do is they'll just order from Amazon and mail it directly to their friend from Amazon. And that is a different customer than the Etsy customer. That's a customer that's looking for convenience and something personalized, but it's more of like that convenience person that wants to do something special, but they're not paying for the customization. They're not like putting their name in it. It's the same person that orders their mom a gift box on Amazon for Mother's Day. Hey mom, this is for you. I wanted to send it. You're solving a problem of convenience for them and putting together something that feels special and not just like random Amazon because it's in a gift box, but it's going to come with an Amazon gift receipt. If I do the Amazon route, would I use my company name? 
Yeah. Should I still do Forever Luna? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We recommend Amazon FBA and like if you eventually are trademarked or you can have your own. But based on this product, we're not really building the brand on Amazon. I think you can build more of the product on Amazon. So if you get good and you work out and figure out the Amazon game, then you can like, you'll start to know the customer more or you'll start to know the price point and like gift boxes. And you can always test other listings on there. Like you might become like this Amazon expert, like knowing how to build product and sell it on there. The reason I also like this for you, because one, you want $100,000, we could scale the heck out of a few products because of the reach to customers. You're learning this one playground, right? Like it's this one place you just have to get really good at. But the better thing for you is the fulfillment aspect. Customer service goes through Amazon. Fulfillment happens through Amazon. Returns happen through Amazon. So you only have to do the work of curating, getting the products together. Let's say eventually production's handled out of house and you're just getting the gift boxes made. You're getting them. You or a team member ships in bo- into the Amazon warehouses and then Amazon, and then you just have to do the computer work. Am I going to do pay-per-click ads? Like, what do my photos look like? What is my listing? Like, how do I, you know, get it in front of more people? And you don't even need social media or anything for it. And then you'll just work on, like, getting it listed on Pinterest, for example. And affiliates love Etsy and they love Amazon because all of these creators they can easily sign themselves up as an Etsy affiliate or an Amazon affiliate and link to stuff. So they don't ever have to even talk to you. But if like, let's say some wedding party person, was like, I found these awesome like ring bear, you know, boxes on Amazon. They don't even have to talk to you. They can share your link. They're going to make affiliate income from Amazon, but they're pushing your product. And so that's why like a lot of gift guides and stuff will always only list Amazon and Etsy products because they can do their own back end and make money on it. Okay, that makes sense. It's podcast recommendation time. And this month I am obsessed with the Hustle Daily Show hosted by Juliet Bennett Ryla, Rob Lit Erst, Ben Berkeley, and Mark Dent. Brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. I love their offbeat and informative takes on business and tech news. In one of the most recent episodes, they dive into how the pink Stanley Tumblr Rose is dominating water bottle sales. Thanks to internet fame, even though Stanley itself is a hundred year old company. And now you know that I've done an episode on this and I am obsessed with the Stanley story. So this goes even deeper into the Tumblr Rose color. Now, as a product boss, this is the perfect example of what can happen when you find and lean into a marketing strategy that works for you. Listen to The Hustle Daily Show wherever you get your podcasts. Hey friends, are you unsure of what to say on social media or what to even send in your weekly emails? Well, what if creating content could be easy? 
Would you be looking for a shortcut to creating consistent content? Yes, consistent content, because you know consistency is key. Well, let me tell you, you are not alone when you feel like you're struggling on what to post or what to write in emails. And we know that you have that product part of your business down. But as you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know that to get more people to your products, to buy your products, you need to create great content. Oh, I know, I see. I keep saying content, and that's the dreaded C word. And we can't tell you how many product bosses tell us that they want to create great content for their audience and their customers, but they don't know what to say, or they are so busy they can't find the time, or they really, really, really don't want to be the face of their brand. Well, no worries, because that's exactly why we created a year of content. It is your shortcut to creating consistent content that resonates with your audience and brings more loyal customers who can't wait to buy your products. If you want to see how easy this is and how easy it is to create content for your audience and your customers, head to www.ayearofcontent.com. You know what we love around here? Multiple streams of income over at the product boss. Yep. A lot of sellers get stuck on one platform, but remember that there are opportunities to grow and sell on other sales channels, other platforms without a lot of extra work on your part. For Yvette's business, Amazon FBA feels like a great fit. She's a busy mom and she's spending a lot of her time creating these custom products that aren't reaching the high-end customer she's looking to attract. With her packaging and curation, she can start building up a solid sales channel on Amazon while at the same time building a brand on her personal website. So what are your thoughts? How do you feel about this as a a play? I do like that. It just does make me nervous because I haven't done Amazon Mm -hmm. or know much about it. So I would need to do my homework on that. The FBA, is that when you send the product to their warehouse? It's fulfilled by Amazon. Okay. So Amazon Prime. So majority of the majority of the users of Amazon are Prime members, so they pay for it. And the majority of the people do want the convenience that comes with it. So yes, you have to learn a platform. You're in our program, so you can access the information on how to get set up. But doing Prime, I think is important because when we're faced with two products on Amazon, we're probably going to pick the one that ships free and comes quick because it's prime product. I do like that though, because as far as like the customer service thing and everything goes, then I wouldn't have to worry about it. The ring bear box doesn't have anything glass, so I don't have to worry about anything breaking in that one. And I would just have to come up with a way, maybe swap out the glass tumbler to a stainless steel tumbler, like wine tumbler or something. That way that's not breakable and things like that. Yeah. Another thing that I was thinking is I I was a part of this Facebook group and I just introduced myself and I put a little box of like the product that was on there. And a couple ladies from the group actually reached out and said that they would be interested in because there, one was a wedding planner and one is a venue. And they said that they wanted to, you know, partner with me and give like little souvenirs uh, or thank yous to their bride. So I'm thinking maybe that's another avenue I can go to. Totally. Like just working straight with vendors and fulfilling yep. little gifts like that. 
So to reach more customers, it goes paid, organic, and partnership. So paid again is ads. Organic is, you know, what we know social media to be. People like, you know, putting stuff out. And then partnership. And partnership can be influencer, creative, pop-ups. But also, I'm going to go back to the word influencer. The original influencer is the wedding planner or the venue, right? They have an influence over your ideal customer by presenting something to them. The same way that like, if you think back to high school, like if the popular kids were a certain kind of jeans, they were influencing the community at high school and other like kids wanted to be like the popular kids. So they they made their parents go buy them the same jeans. I wanted to say Dickies overalls because that's more appropriate to my time in high school. <laughs> Juicy couture tracksuits. But that is what an influencer is. There are people who have influence on others and people look up to them and they like like the way they do it. So 100%, if we're thinking about it, do you do paid ads on Etsy? No? Okay. Okay. Amazon, you could do paid ads within the platform to drive traffic to your listings. Organic is social, word of mouth you know, other ways like that. Organic is also technically if these people are buying from you because you were organically in a Facebook group, you were organically talking about it and now people are like, oh, hey. So that's just people like the discovery process. And partnership is when you're partnering with another company, someone of influence, a planner, a venue, and then you're actually doing like a set thing together. So I love that as an idea. And if we want to talk about what works, you getting into groups, And organically speaking about your stuff is just going to raise awareness of what you offer more than you posting on social media. So I love social media for some people. I love TikTok. I love social. If they have the capacity to be content creators, you, I don't believe, currently have the the capacity to be a content creator. It doesn't come naturally or it's not the thing that you're like, I'm just going to jump on TikTok and make a video and like, it's going to go viral, right? Would I, am I accurate with that? Okay, so let's say no to the social part. And then let's instead think Facebook group worked for you. So you can do more of that, what happened organically. And if you get into these Facebook groups of like weddings, wedding planners, brides, like whatever group that is, there's hundreds of more like that group. You also can pay attention to what they're asking for. You can see where the gaps are. And you can organically be discovered and then work with people. So I love that as an idea. They probably shouldn't be getting it. You don't have a big enough margin to sell it wholesale. So you may want to just give them like a discount, like a 20 or 30% discount, or it's like 20% for one-offs. But if they buy in bulk from you, like let's say 12, then they get 30% off or something like that. But you're gonna, you're not at a margin right now that you can give them wholesale prices because the way you've done your product doesn't have the margin built in for like cost to wholesale to retail because you're basically buying at wholesale. But I just want you to look at your numbers and say, okay, would it be worth it to me to sell to them? How many pieces do I want to sell to them? Because it shouldn't just be like, here's two, right? To get a significant enough discount, then we want them to buy more of them. Then it's worth it to you because now you're buying more, you're moving through more product, And long-term, the more you sell, the more you can bring your per unit cost down if we're sourcing from other places. Right. That makes, that, that helps out a lot. So I think you could probably hit pretty big with a few of these box ideas on Amazon. You're not feeling well today. So it feels probably 
if you're feeling tired. It probably feels very overwhelming to like go and learn a new platform. But being a student of ours, you do have access to that info. So it might just be like, all right, let me just explore it, do my research, that kind of thing. The lowest hanging fruit for you is what you did, this Facebook group and working with wedding planners and venues and figuring out a deal. Making $70 sending them stuff versus $0 selling nothing is better. And you could start to kind of establish it and keep repeating. So you were successful at this thing of like, you didn't even know what you were doing, but you got on the Facebook group, you started talking and two people reached out to you. So the clues that are telling you is that you being in groups and engaging in whatever way you were engaging shows you that this is actually a great place for lead acquisition in an organic way. So repeat that over and over. Okay. Yeah, that I could do that. And then also I do bridal shows. Okay. And I have had other vendors come up to me wanting to do the same thing. So I don't know. I think that's kind of maybe the route that I do want to do. Okay. Rather than keep up with Etsy and with my other Shopify store and just go through vendors and Amazon probably. I like you having your Shopify site because you can't build on borrowed land. So this is yours. If people discover you, it doesn't mean you have to keep updating it, but I like that you own it because the more your kids are going to get older, the more you kind of start to understand your business, the more you start to kind of understand your customer and the market research and like your point of view for your business, you might see that your Shopify site ends up being something that then like maybe a year from now is like, all right, I get it. I get their needs. I get who I'm, you know, you're going to learn through everything. You're going to test and try and learn, test and try and learn. Things are going to get clearer to you. And then that might eventually be an arm, but it's a harder arm for you to do right now in this moment. It's good to have. I want you to constantly be trying to get email addresses. You might have like, if you're Etsy buyers, you might have like a checklist that they get when they buy from you and be like, hey, go to my checklist for like, all the ways to propose to your wedding party and they can opt in to an email list potentially. And then that email list, you can drive traffic to your own site. So that would be a way to transfer people from Etsy to your own site, but that's a lift and like marketing efforts. So selling wholesale where they're dealing with marketing, they just have to buy from you. So you just have to have the product and sell and then everybody else is going to do the marketing. And then Amazon, I think could be a really good play because some of the things that you're putting together, I can't find on Amazon. So if we can get you Prime, we can get you things. And then you're just going to need to drive traffic to those listings to get some reviews and to get some traffic there. Amazon likes when you drive traffic. And I think the Etsy is complicated because Etsy buyers are complicated. Custom stuff for Etsy is complicated. Websites are complicated. I think these other ways, like just like uncomplicated. Okay, how can I make this easier? How can I make this easier? Simplicity simply scales. So how do we simplify? If we want to scale your business, simplicity simply scales. So how do we simply scale it? And if it starts to feel overwhelming or complicated, pull back and be like, hey, wait, how do I simplify this? Okay. You made it. I did. And you're working towards $8,000 months. Some months will be bigger than others. So I want you to just think about your months as what do I need to make per month as like a baseline? We 1X our like regular months. So like I have to keep the lights on. I have to make X amount of my business. And then my really profitable months, I'm going to make more because I know those are like high season. So you said to me that November, December were slow because people aren't 
buying the wedding stuff. They're buying Christmas stuff. That's okay. We build that in. So we do more of the business perhaps first and second quarter, right? Maybe those are your busier second and third quarter. And then you know that Q4 is actually going to be a quieter season for you, which is okay. And you'll get, you'll have slower months, but you will have made a lot more money in the other months. And then another thing when things are slow, you can think of alternative ways. So in those slow months, you're selling wholesale or you're reaching out to the venues and the wedding planners and you're getting them to place orders that you're going to ship to them for them to be ready for their busy season in January and February and March. So in your slower seasons, you might be able to sell, I'm going to say wholesale, even though you're, it's not complete wholesale, but more like that partnership part where you can be working on acquiring those kinds of customers, getting those kinds of orders. in. when you go to the wedding shows, right, they place an order and then you ship in the future. So that would be your work during that. So like you're still doing work that's going to get customers. So then in the busy seasons, that's the windfall of the money. Yeah, that makes sense. And I wouldn't mind if Q4 is a lot quieter for me. You need it to be. (laughs) And like May, June, to be honest, like with kids, sometimes for me, May is like the hardest month to do extra because there's school shows, there's, you know, like kids are graduating, there's all the end of year stuff, there's all this stuff. And same at Christmas time. It's just when family is a priority, then you kind of can work your business around that, you know? So you could be still selling a ton in May, but it's, you've already fulfilled to Amazon. Amazon's doing the selling. Amazon's doing the fulfilling. You did the work all in April and May and June, Amazon's doing it. All you have to do is ship in when they run out of product or before they run out of product. So it's really much more of a hands-off process and you're just working computer stuff than a day-to-day thing. Yeah, that's that would be a lot helpful. Um, like more aligned with your lifestyle right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right now it gets crazy. Yeah, so and that's why that, I think everybody has a different path to profit, right? Like we all have our own product. We all have our own life and lifestyle. So we're not all selling the same stuff and we're also all not going to sell it in the same way. There's different things for each person because again, we started our business for more time freedom and for like financial freedom, right? But make those still work with your lifestyle because we are our own bosses. We don't want to be our worst bosses ever. Like we want to be our best boss ever, you know? Right. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Okay. I'm excited for you. Thank you. You've done a good, I mean, you said you've been doing this a year. Like you've done a great job figuring things out and making, you are making money. 20,000 as a side hustle is awesome. And now we'll make it more profitable and simple blur to scale. Yep. Yep. I definitely need to make it to where I can scale it. And I think going non-custom is a way to go. Yeah. Custom's hard. It is. Okay. So if we wanted to follow you, I can put a link to your Etsy site if you want or your website, but just tell us where, if we were to follow you and support you, how could we do that? If we do Etsy.com and then it's Forever Luna and Co. And you spell out and for the Etsy shop. And then for Instagram, it's also my handle is Forever Luna and Co. Amazing. And we'll link all of that also in the show notes. And so everyone can support our small businesses and our product bosses that are out here. Thank you. I hope you feel better. I know it's been rough, but I'm excited for your next step. So make sure to keep me updated. Absolutely. This was such a great call. Yvette has an interesting product and there's a definite need there, but Etsy was already flooded with similar styles of product. 
Meanwhile, Amazon shows that there's a clear gap she could jump into and fill it. All of that without having to spend time building a brand while she's juggling five kids at home. By shifting from a custom strategy to Amazon fulfillment, she can meet her financial goals in a way that fits her lifestyle. Everyone has a different path to profit, and I know you'll find the right one that's right for you. And my friend, would you do me a favor? Would you leave a review for us over wherever you listen to this podcast? It would be so helpful to reach other product businesses around the world. As always, I'll see you in the next episode. And remember, action takers are money makers. So keep taking action. See you in the next one. Thank you for being here and listening all the way through the Product Boss Podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way in your business, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Reviews help other product entrepreneurs know that this is the place to be to grow their businesses and realize that they're not alone. And we know that you all know that a five-star and honest review helps you sell more products to more people. So you know that your reviews help us reach more listeners around the world. Remember, what we give is what we receive, and we are all about helping each other in the Product Boss community. We are all in this together. We would be so appreciative of you if you could take the time right now to subscribe, leave a review, and even share this episode on social or someone you know so we can impact more lives. And remember, subscribing means that you will get notified each time we release a new episode so you never miss a thing. You have helped us grow and climb into the top 10 of all marketing podcasts, and together we can keep climbing. Thank you, friends. And remember, there is room at the top for all of us.